Wait on your knees. Don't touch that dial. You want to hear this? It's about sex. Night Moves, a sex talk show full of information, interviews, and inquiries. Each week we bring you current research and sexuality, a guest interview. After that, we'll answer questions from listeners like you. I'm your host, Ann Hardy. As a registered nurse, I talk to male patients about erectile dysfunction. I'm Kay Crow, ASEX certified sex therapist in private practice and local sexpert to those who are curious. I'm Ray, your friendly man about town. I'm a guy who's been around the block a bunch of times, and I'm here to share opinions to help get you laid and keep you safe. Welcome to Night Moves, an exploration of contemporary sexuality. This week, we're exploring a child's first exposure to porn and what parents can do to prevent it or address it. For our guests, several students from San Antonio College are going to share their experience with their first exposure to porn. And then we answer questions from listeners' emails. Night moves. Answering the questions you can't ask. Welcome to Night Moves, an exploration of contemporary sexuality. This week, we're exploring first exposure to pornography. Pornography and adult content programming are everywhere. Some think watching porn is a national health crisis, and others believe it's an okay adult pastime. There's data that early childhood viewing of porn reinforces negative gender stereotypes. Parents have different approaches to delay the first exposure to porn. In a study presented by the American Psychological Association, it was found there is a significant association between early exposure to pornography and adherence to two masculine norms. Number one, exerting power over women, and number two, playboy behavior. Children are coming across explicit material online. It happens in their homes, on their phones, on their laptops, at their friends' houses, and you have to expect that sometime kids are going to be exposed to adult content. One approach to parenting is vigilance. You can look at the browsing history, use internet filters and parental controls, and to assist with parental supervision, there's a mobile web browser, MobyChip, M-O-B-I-C-H-I-P. It blocks content by age and subject matter on mobile devices. Keeping the family computer in a public place in the house also helps with supervision. However, there is explicit content on websites like YouTube. A child can click on an advertisement and it might take them to unintended places, such as cartoon porn. Kids have learned to log into the neighbor's internet to avoid parental controls. Keeping the family computer in a public place in the house also helps with supervision, but it also leads to the mystery as to why the keys are sticky. (laughs) (laughs) If you discover that your child is viewing porn, don't freak out, stay calm, and then ask them how they found it. And it might give you clues as to how to prevent that from happening in the future, Reassure them that they're not in trouble 
and that their curiosities are natural. Don't just snatch their computer away. At least or, immediately. Or well, yeah. <laughs> because if you just take their computer away, it sends a really bad message. I think. And maybe they didn't find it on a computer. Maybe they found it in your DVD player. A discussion about porn needs to be part of every parent's sex education for their kid. You always need to consider yes. that maybe they learned it from you. That's true. <laughs> if you find that your child is or has viewed porn, as one father surmised when his 10-year-old son asked, Dad, why do women like to be choked? It may be more productive to use that time for a teachable moment. As parents, we think the birds and the bees talk and we're done. But now there's the porn talk. Parents should use that opportunity to dispel any incorrect information and or myths. And as an example, there was an online myth going around among teenagers that watching porn causes erectile dysfunction. Or it makes you go blind. That's, a, that's the oldie but a goodie. It's my favorite. It is best if you talk to your kids about porn before anything happens. It may be more difficult if viewing porn is the first exposure to any discussion about sex. This reinforces that fact-based, age-appropriate sex education should start early. Earlier than you ever think. My son started and wanted like the full sex talk at age eight. And he started by asking inappropriate questions when we'd be out at dinner. And I finally told him like, you come and talk to me when we're by ourselves. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. And a couple of weeks later, he's like, okay, mom, here we are. I want to know everything. In our house, that, that, that talk is currently going on and it's six and seven. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You have to do earlier these days. Absolutely. And a lot of it has to do with technology and what kids are exposed to. But if you think that it's too, if you think that your kid is, you know, too young to have that talk, watch your kid's behavior. So if you catch your kids watching porn and you flip out, it might actually prevent your kids from feeling safe to ask you questions and it might leave them feeling judged or punished and, and, that's not good. So explain to them that porn is acting. Porn is to sex what movies are to real life. Yeah, most most people go to the movies and understand that it's not real. It's just a story. But why is it in our culture that people look at porn and they assume that that's how real sex happens? There's a disconnect there. I'm sure glad it isn't. I mean, the money shot? <laughs> Who does that? Right. We also have to understand, too, that it's not all coming from porn. The, the sexual influence is also coming from TV and just regular movies. They have sexually explicit parts, and we got to pay attention to those mm -hmm. warnings. As a child, one of my first exposures was to a movie with a scene that actually had sexual assault in it. And at the time, it was deemed funny to cut a hole in the women's shower locker room mm -hmm. and stick your genitalia through that hole. You know, right. that was funny then. Mm -hmm. That's not, we know now we've evolved as a society. Right. The only problem that I have about porn is when people use it in the place of sexual education. And Kay, I took your human sexuality class. In those discussions, everyone was asked about their own sex education. And it was really surprising to me that several guys said their whole sex education was watching a porn video. Two, the father actually just gave them the video, and that's all they said. And one other one just went and 
took his father porn video, watched it, and that was all the sex education he ever got. And understandably, you can you can see how porn really wouldn't fill in a lot of the gaps. You know, it's porn goes straight to sexual activity. It doesn't go into things like consent and flirtation and socializing and dating foreplay and, and lube and how do you engage someone in mentally addition. emotionally in addition k to missing those important points about sexual uh, interaction well sexuality is so much more nuanced so, than than portrayed in porn it's not just the pizza delivery boy showing up at the door and being welcomed in by a beautiful woman that's not how sex happens in right. real life. Right, and there's different strokes for different folks. It's not adequate, but that's what a lot of people get. Unfortunately. And maybe it's uh, another analogy w- w- to help kids understand porn is to understand that it's very much like video games. Like if you're into fantasy, you can find a video game for that. If you're into bang, bang, shoot em up. First person shooters. Right, you can, you can get that. You can get something specific. Porn is made and marketed to straight men, so it's going to appeal to their sexual fantasies. And that's that's very narrow and it's very specific. It's not broad and comprehensive like sex education needs to be. And what's your closing thoughts about a child's first exposure to porn? You're, you're going to need to talk to your kids about porn. It's, it's, it's part of providing a decent sex education to kids that were born around the late 90s and into the 2000s, now that adult-oriented material is this readily available, you've got to address it. Well, you got to talk to your kids about sexuality straight up because Mm -hmm. as we talked about watching porn and people's first influences with porn, porn is definitely not the only influencer. And even if they're not getting their hands on porn, Mm -hmm. if they're watching television or media, anything, they still need that. They still need your guidance. Sexual content is everywhere. You can be vigilant, but kids are very smart, and they're going to figure out a way. So with Kay and everyone else here, I really think that you've got to start earlier than you even think possible to start opening the door to some sex education. Stay tuned. Coming up next for our guest, Students at San Antonio College are going to share their experience with their first exposure to porn. And then we answer questions from emails. Check out our podcast at www.mixcloud.com slash nightmovesksym. Have a burning question for the hosts of Night Moves? We'll answer it on the air. Names will not be disclosed, but we'd like your gender and age range. Email your questions to nightmovesksym at gmail.com. Nightmoves, your only alternative for sex information. Several students from San Antonio College are going to share their experience with their first exposure to porn. Well, the first time I saw porn, I remember when I was a kid, my dad had to work late at night, and he left a VHS tape playing, which was the Muppets he recorded for me. And, you know, as every kid uh, gets curious and they start rummaging around their parents' drawer, well, I then found a blank videotape 
I didn't know what it was, so I ejected the Muppets tape that I put the blank tape in, and let's just say there was some very explicit material on screen. I didn't know what was going on, really, but let's just say there was multiple people sitting in a circle taking turns doing stuff. When I when I put in the other tape, I didn't really know what was going on at the time until, like, as I got older, it was an orgy sex tape. I remember my uncle walked in, and he saw me, what I was watching, and he said, hey, you're not supposed to be watching that. And I was very confused, like, as a kid, because I didn't know what it was. Then I later thought, like, oh, this is adult material, or this is what adults watch. Well, I was a very young kid, so I didn't really think about girls at the time, but that definitely gets your mind, like, running curiosity. What does a woman look like naked, or what does a girl look like naked? I never thought about that before. (laughs) The first time I saw porn, I wouldn't say it was porn. It was a magazine. I walked into the bathroom. Somebody left a magazine behind. I was like 15 years old, young. (laughs) I was curious and I flipped through it. There was a lot of uh, stuff that I found out. It was very informative. Articles. There's stuff that I didn't know that women do, like butt stuff. (laughs) I couldn't believe what I saw in there. There There's anal and intercourse stuff and mouth (laughs) blowjobs. Went into my bedroom and I looked at myself. Curiosity. That was my first introduction. My first introduction to porn was actually with some friends of mine. Um, We lived in a rural town. We got in the car one day and we decided that we were going to stop at one of these roadside places that had uh, video and X-rated novelty items. We went in and we checked out some videos and saw everything that they had available. We were all gay, so we were interested in the all-male section, and we ended up renting a few videotapes and took them home and collectively watched them. Uh, there was, there was, we were all clothed, but once my friends left, I continued watching, and there was somebody outside my window who was watching me watching the porn, which ended up becoming like a thing, so... My introduction was not only with the porn itself, but also some of the peeping Tom in my window. It affected my thoughts of sexuality because I realized that it was different than real life. The the guys were a lot buffer. They had different storylines, mostly in California. We were in rural Texas, out, right outside of the Kingwood. Um, so it was interesting to see because I never... I was still a virgin at that point, and it was kind of like education too, but very erotic. I remember when I was a kid, my dad would always watch movies on HBO, and there was like good programming, you know, good movies, and there was a HBO family which showed children's things, and I remember one night, I forgot what the movie was, I think it was Home Alone, and... I was laying in my dad's room, you know, a kid watching a movie, and I fell asleep. Well, it turns out my dad fell asleep in the living room, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and let's just say Home Alone ended, and there was something else on the TV, and it caught me completely by surprise. 
all I remember seeing was just a man and a woman nude on the bed uh, having sex. I didn't even think anything of it at the time because I didn't even know what was going on. I was like, oh, am I supposed to be watching this or not? Or what is this? And once again, I thought this was what adults watch. It wasn't until I got older that I found out like the program was called Cat House, which was about the the prostitution in Las Vegas or the Moonlight Bunny Ranch, something like that. It was very interesting. It definitely got me curious and wow, like this is what adults do. Because, you know, as a kid, you don't even think about this stuff. <laughs> you know, at the time, I wasn't looking at older women. It didn't really have an effect on me as a kid because, you know, I was still playing with Legos, watching cartoons and stuff. It was just like, oh, what is this program? Like, I didn't even know what it was. Like, you know, typically nowadays you would get turned on watching pornography, but I can't even remember getting turned on. I don't think I was. It was just like, was I supposed to be watching this or not? And I think I fell back asleep while that program just played, played on. My first experience with porn was actually through a magazine. Back in the day, and I lived in Chicago, there was a magazine that had ads, personal ads. I read was two people who invited people over, and when I called them up, they invited me to their house. I went to the house, and they had pornography with a couple other people besides them watching. And I'll never forget that the first video I was exposed to was called The Pizza Boy He Delivers, which was kind of awkward, I have to say, because I found none of the men attractive that I was watching it with. It was interesting to see the video. I'd never seen anything like that before, obviously. I just graduated high school before I got into college that summer, and I know I was curious about something like that. That's why I went to that place. Later on, there was somebody else that was in the room that I found attractive. And at that time, I was still a virgin. They wanted us to go up to a room together, and we did. And we made out, nothing, nothing X-rated, but the lights were on. And then later, the gentleman who owned the place would end up showing me books of other gentlemen that they had invited over doing photograph sessions. And I found that to be quite interesting because I was never exposed to anything like that. I found it very interesting. And that piqued my curiosity not only in porn, but in being able to further identify my feelings for men, which I would eventually consider myself as being part of the LGBT community representing the gay community. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Night Moves, an exploration of contemporary sexuality. And we're talking about sex, all kinds of sex, some serious, some lighthearted. And then we answer your questions that our listeners send in from email. Coming up next, the hosts will answer emails from the listeners. Like us on Facebook, Night Moves Now. Please send us your questions and comments to nightmoveskysym at gmail.com.
Next questions and comments. Questions and comments. The question is from a female in her 20s. Will genital piercings increase the chance of infections? Yes, because you've created a wound and empirically that possibility of infection wasn't there before you did that. And anytime you place something in your body, you're piercing through the skin and a more chance for infection to grow. So yes. Over time, depending upon how you take care of it, it might not be an issue, but that that initial healing is is going to tell you whether it's you're going to be more prone to infections. If your immune system is compromised, you should not get any type of a piercing. But if you take really good care of it, it heals, it completely closes. After that, you should be okay. Well, a former partner, he had a Prince Albert, and he just took really good care of it. He was very fastidious. And once it, once it closed, you know, he didn't have any, any infections. Then you're dealing with other aspects of it, like urinating <laughs> and things like that. Yeah, he, can't, he couldn't stand up anymore unless he took out the... Ring. Was there any sexual benefit to that? You know, he he kept asking that, and and no, all I felt was the weight of the gauge of the ring inside. But oh, it really didn't. It, no, and in fact, when 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 he was putting his penis inside of me, it started to become painful because it would get caught, Ooh. and so he would just take it out if we were doing that, because he he wanted to go up on the gauge, and he had a pretty heavy gauge. Damn. Mm-hmm. So does it just go through this? foreskin or does it really go through it goes the through penis? the frenulum the piercing yeah. is oh. actually in the frenulum and so it goes through the urethra and then the ring yeah, ah. yeah so that know. underside really sensitive area of the mm-hmm. penis so it goes through the hole the urethra right. and then through that through the frenulum frenulum through the underside of the penis oh. he said it gave him a zing that he really enjoyed but as i said he, he he couldn't enjoy it in conjunction with either oral sex or vaginal penetration. So. Or he couldn't stand up to pee either. Right. Wow. Well, I don't think he was much of a stander anyway. <laughs> oh, really? It's just a habit he got into. Yeah. Huh. I heard about men that sit down to urinate. <laughs> well, it doesn't mean anything. It's I know, just, it doesn't. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't feel like heavy lifting, that's all. <laughs> Just growing up with six brothers, you know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The question is from a female in her 20s. One of my breasts are bigger than the other. Is there anything I can do besides surgery? Will special bras or hormones help to correct it? Girlfriend, you are perfect the way you are. One of my boobs is bigger than the other. The left side, for some reason, even though I'm right-handed, the body, the human body is naturally asymmetrical. Please do not focus on, on this as if it's a flaw. It isn't. And, and I beg you, do not do anything drastic like hormones. That won't help. Special bras. Yeah, it might fill in, but you'd have to wear, wear padding. For God's sake, please don't have surgery. Just enjoy your body and and. You're perfectly imperfect, and that's fine. Most women, one breast is slightly larger than the other, and some are noticeably larger. And I imagine that your partner probably doesn't even notice. 
if you do surgery, the problem is, is then you would have to have them both operated on because the deal is you want them symmetrical and it's hard to get that. I'm a guy and I'm not sure anybody really wants my opinion on this. However, it looks like uh, you're more concerned with cultivating the illusion than you are with any physical problem that you might be having because of it. So the only offer I have for you is maybe lead with the opposite foot of the small breast when you walk <laughs> have you encountered nothing <laughs> have you encountered women that have one breast larger than the other and it make an effect on you i've never honestly noticed and maybe that's the answer well men are really so guys probably don't they yeah, don't notice they're the so details excited to be in the presence of breasts <laughs> they're not right they're so excited that you want to spend time with them that if I I just can't imagine somebody saying, please get out of my bed. You have one small breast. <laughs> Good points. <laughs> and actually, there's a new trend of called going flat, where women who've had breast cancer, instead of having re- reconstruction, they mm-hmm. just have both breasts removed. And then I know somebody who did that. She looks beautiful. And she said, oh, it's so nice to have all that weight off your chest. I mean, I guess I could give you a warning. If you have one small booby, then be careful doing doggy style. It'll put your butt at a weird angle. (laughs) Hurt yourself. But as Kay said, you're beautiful just the way you are. The next question is from a female in her 20s. I'm in college and I want to be a sex therapist. I read that women are most concerned in therapy about their libido, sex drive, And men are most concerned about erectile dysfunction. Are those the most common problems that are asked of you? Well, probably the most common thing is desire discrepancy in any given couple. But that's not necessarily a straight couple. But that is the most common reason people seek out sex therapy. That one partner wants sex more than the other. Right. Or they just can't find a consistent sex life that works for both of them and that's both sexes right but often what i call desire discrepancy it turns out to be what they're really seeking is better quality of sex not quantity they start out complaining about quantity but it's really about the the time they have to really connect erotically that they're looking for so they seem like they want one wants sex more than the other, mm-hmm. but they really want more of an emotional connection than just the physical act. Is that what you're saying? Or and Emotion is part of it, but it's also about being mindful and present during sex. So many people go through the mechanics of sex, and they, but they know when their partner is really there and when they're not. Yeah, it's obvious. Yeah, one may be sitting there loading the, unloading the dishwasher exactly. in their mind. Counting and, ceiling tiles, yeah. Yeah. Been there, done that. Oh, that's really sad. Right. But it sounds like the reader is, or the listener is asking, you know, what are common issues that women seek out? Yes, and women are concerned about their sex drives. Too often women tend to compare their experience of sexual desire with that of men. And that is a mistake, a huge mistake, because women do not experience sexual desire in the same way that men do. They don't have this overt, obvious interest in sex. The research tells us that women seek out sex because they want that emotional connection. They want that presence or they want something that comes out of sex like intimacy 
and and connection. So women don't just want the physical act. Some do, but I was going to say the majority. the re- The research says that most women seek out sex not from this "ooh, I gotta have it" kind of feeling, right. like I'm turned on and I want it now. Is that why women don't commit as many kidnappings? Perhaps. Perhaps. So a man, you know, Mr. Happy gets up and they're ready to go. Right. Period. Yeah. Every, you know, mind, body, spirit is on the same plane, but women tend to be more divided and it's hard for them to get mind, body, spirit in the same place to, to have sex. And they need that presence and connection. And the most common thing that men seek out, would it be erectile dysfunction? I would say erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation are about even. So men are more concerned about the physical. Yep. And women tend to be more concerned about the emotional, but they don't really understand how the emotional impacts the physical for them. They think they should be able to behave sexually like men, and that's an error in thinking. Have a burning question for the hosts of Night Moves? We'll answer it on air. Names will not be disclosed, but we like your gender and age range. Email your questions to nightmovesksym at gmail.com. Catch up on past episodes on mixcloud.com slash nightmovesksym. Like us on Facebook, Night Moves Now. Good night, and I hope you find yourself in bed with a book you love or someone who's already read one. Hey, y'all, have a great night. Don't do anything I wouldn't do, but if you're going to do it, do it safe. Good night. Have a fabulous week, and tune in next week to Night Moves. Exploration of Contemporary Sexuality. Working on a night moves.